Good morning, church. Today, I need to share with you that I have an accent. <laughs> but actually, it's helping me out. Uh, I don't know how many of you know that actually also have an accent, so God loved me so much that he sent her first. <laughs> and prepared the way. <laughs> so by now, you are used to it. I'm, I'm also want to share that I usually don't wear robes on the contemporary service. I'm doing it today because we have communion. And it's important uh, for me when I'm serving communion to do it in this way. But I'm not expecting anyone to wear a robe. <laughs> so please, peace. Okay? And forgive me if I do so. Today, the sermon is about forgiveness. The forgiving nature of grace. When we think about Matthew 6, uh, 14 to 15, it reads, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Last week, we learned about the nature and role of grace in the calling of God. Today, we gather to revisit an important aspect of our faith, the grace of forgiveness. We will draw on important passages from Matthew 6, 14 to 15, Ephesians 1, 7, and Colossians 3, 13, to garner a more comprehensive understanding of how grace empowers us to forgive. Forgiveness is not merely an act we perform. It is a transformative lifestyle, shaping our spiritual growth and fostering reconciliation. Through forgiveness, we liberate ourselves from bitterness, anger, and resentment moving toward inner peace and joy. First, we will learn about forgiveness, reciprocal nature. Continuing our discussion, we will uncover the symbolic cost of redemption by grace from Ephesians 1.7. And lastly, we will explore the impact of Jesus' teachings in Colossians 3.13 for us as his disciples, which emphasizes the importance of imitating God's forgiving nature. As we take these steps on our sacred pilgrimage to heaven, let us hold fast to the truth that forgiveness is a cornerstone of our faith. Therefore, we have to pursue our Christian living knowing that it is essential to embody the teachings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, we are reminded of the profound significance of forgiveness. The scripture reveals that if we refuse to forgive our fellow beings, then we ourselves shall not be granted forgiveness from the Father. This divine truth echoes through the ages, 
reasoning and resonating in the death of our souls. Yet, my dear church, let us not be disheartened by the weight of this commandment. For in our moments of struggle, when we grapple with forgiving those who have inflicted deep wounds upon us, we find solace in the immeasurable grace bestowed upon us by our Heavenly Father. Grace empowers us to forgive others, mend our broken relationships, and ultimately bring joy to our lives. The moment we remove grace from the equation of pardoning, we end up with an exponential level of pain and suffering, often unbearable for the human soul. After all, Jesus already taught us in the gospel that it is only through pardoning that we are forgiven. Forgiveness has both a horizontal and vertical dimension. The horizontal dimension refers to forgiveness between human beings, while the vertical dimension involves forgiveness from God to humans. As you see the cross, the cross is the maximum expression of forgiveness on earth. You will never see a cross that is made on its own. Every time you see a cross, men collaborated with God to build one. So when we see the cross, we see how many sticks? Two, right? One is horizontal, one is vertical. That's forgiveness, that's for grace, and that applies to everything we do as disciples of Christ. Forgiveness moves our hearts, and it is common for people, however, to focus more on the horizontal dimension, considering the actions of others toward us, what we do to others. But unfortunately, this narrow focus often overlooks the wrongful actions, words, and thoughts we commit against God. In the forgiveness offered to us through sacrifice and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. By acknowledging this vertical dimension of forgiveness, we can develop a deeper understanding and appreciation for the forgiveness we receive from God. Colossians 3, 13 states, bear with each other and forgive another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let me share two amazing stories with you that highlights the power of forgiveness, featuring two incredible biblical characters. In the Bible, there was a man named Joseph who faced betrayal from his jealous brothers. They sold him as a slave. And as he was suffering from that betrayal, it caused in him unimaginable, unimaginable suffering. But here is where it gets interesting. Years later, Joseph forgave them and even saved them from a terrible famine. What a remarkable act of forgiveness. Joseph's story shows us just how transformative forgiveness can be, bringing reconciliation and redemption. 
Now let me tell you about another impactful character from the Bible that we all know. His name is Peter. So get this. Peter denied knowing Jesus, not just once, not two, but three times. Can you imagine the guilt and remorse he must have felt? But the incredible, the incredible part is that Jesus forgave him. The death of that forgiveness completely transformed Peter's life, giving him hope, purpose, and the strength to share the message of love and forgiveness with others. These stories serve as a poignant reminder of the profound healing and transformative abilities of forgiveness. They inspire us to fully embrace forgiveness, allowing it to be and to become our guiding force on our own personal journeys, much like Joseph and Peter demonstrated. As Christians, we have the responsibility to accept the forgiving nature of grace and spirit out to those around us. We must strive to forgive even the most unforgettable actions of others, just as God has forgiven us. In the words of C. Lewis, to be a Christian, how many of you are Christians? Hallelujah. Means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 32, it reads, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. This verse illustrates the importance of forgiveness in our lives. God, through his grace, has forgiven us, and we, as his children, are called to forgive others. Forgiveness through grace is not an easy task. It requires, it requires us to let go of our pride, anger, and resentment toward others. However, it is essential for us to follow the lead of Jesus on living a life filled with love and reconciliation. In his, books, in his book, The Art of Forgiving, Louis B. Smith writes, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Ephesians 1.7 states, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Similarly, in his books, The Peacemaker, Cain Sandy writes, Forgiveness is not forgetting, or excusing the wrongs done to us. It is the process of letting go of the wrong and allowing God to heal our hearts. Again, forgiveness is not forgetting or excusing the wrongs. And every time we try to do that, confuse forgiveness with forgetting, we will not be able to forgive. Or sometimes people come to us, or we go to them, and they don't apologize, and then we say, I'm not going to forgive you. This is what he's teaching here. Forgiveness is not forgetting or excusing the wrongs. It is a process of letting go, let go. Grace frees us to forgive others by giving us the strength to let go 
of our resentment and anger toward those who have hurt us. It is through grace that we can forgive even the most helpful actions of others as God has forgiven us. Grace helps us to mend our broken relationships and allows us to rebuild what was lost. When I preach the gospel, I'm always expecting to see this transformation and this healing. And people come to Christ and they have these issues with the family. Sometimes they don't have a good relationship with their mother-in-law. I don't know why. Sometimes sons or daughters. But if we are in Christ, the expectation is after a while, those relationships should be mended. It guides us in our spiritual journey toward forgiveness, reconciliation, and unity. Forgiveness plays a significant role in our spiritual growth as passionate spiritual disciples. Forgiveness liberates us from feelings of anger, bitterness, and resentment, enabling personal healing and spiritual development. It allows us to resemble God's own forgiving nature. As we call to forgive others just as God forgives us. On the other hand, by offering forgiveness to others, we actively contribute to the restoration of harmony and the healing of fractured relationships. This profound act promotes unity and a sense of tranquility, resulting into a more peaceful and united community. A church cannot stand without forgiveness and without us forgiving each other. In addition, forgiveness serves as a powerful catalyst for spiritual growth as it allows us to align ourselves more closely with the core principle of the Christian faith. Furthermore, this practice of forgiveness positively impacts our interpersonal connections, enhancing the quality and depth of our relationships. Those who call themselves disciples of Christ, how many of you are disciples of Christ? Release the burden of resentment and grudges by creating a space for love, understanding, and empathy to flourish in our hearts as children of the living God. Fundamentally, embracing forgiveness not only brings about an inner sense of serenity and contentment, but also fosters an enduring joy that emanates from a transformed human soul. Again, forgiveness is not just a commandment, but a joyful way of life. When we forgive, we free ourselves from bitterness, anger, and resentment, leading to peace and joy in our lives. Please take to heart the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 14 to 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. But pastor, how can we apply the concept of grace and forgiveness in our daily life? Well, let us explore now several practical ways to practice forgiveness and promote reconciliation among one another. Number one, 
Practice forgiveness. Forgiving someone who has wronged us can be a challenging but crucial action. It involves releasing resentment, anger, which promotes inner peace and harmony. Number two, promoting reconciliation. Grace and forgiveness help mend damaged relationships. Here's the practical piece. Actively seeking to reconcile with those people in your life you have had disagreements or hurts will help you to apply these principles. How is your relationship with our spouses? How is our relationship with our sons, daughters, aunties, uncles, neighbors, and co-workers? Number three, emulating God's forgiveness. Just as God forgives our trespasses, we can make a point to forgive others regardless of the perceived intensity of the wrongs. Who do we need to forgive this week? Think about that. Number four, practicing kindness. Show compassion and kindness to everyone around you. Remember that you have been forgiven. Don't be so hard when people make mistakes and do wrongs against you. Those you struggle with also need Forgiveness. This is a tangible expression of grace. Five, self-forgiveness. At times, you may need to forgive yourself for past mistakes. That happens to Peter. He denied Jesus three times, but he needed to forgive himself for doing so. It happens also in my own life. 2003, I was driving on my way to Kentucky, Parkway to Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And I had a car accident. In that car accident, I lost my first wife, Janet. I was 29 years old. She was 25. We were coming back from a pastoral meeting, and we were planting the second church in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And when something like that happens, the first thing you wonder and you ask is why? I mean, I've been doing the right thing. I'm baptizing people, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I was driving. So I was blaming myself because saying maybe I was, I didn't, I was not driving well. If I did this, if I did that. So I also needed to forgive myself and use this teaching and this principle. So what I'm teaching you is not because I'm reading a book. I'm trying to share with you from my own heart, my own experiences. So maybe it will help you. But what really released me was this principle. Listen to this. God loves us despite of our imperfections. He knows we are human and incapable of not making mistakes or sinning. Therefore, God seeks not the perfection of your actions, but rather the perfection of our intentions. If we are able to master this principle, God will help us and we will be free and free indeed to forgive others and forgive ourselves, which means stop being worried about being a perfectionist. Worry about the perfection of your heart. That's what matters. Sometimes we make mistakes that we don't intend to, and people, people see our action. They don't see our heart, but God does. So what matters is not that you are perfect in action. What matters is that you are perfect in intentions. Number six, sharing grace. 
As recipients of God's grace, we encourage to extend this grace to others. This can be translated into acts of kindness, understanding, and love toward others. In conclusion, grace empowers us to forgive others, heal broken relationships, and bring joy to our lives. Therefore, it is conclusive that without grace, it's impossible to forgive and experience forgiveness. I'm going to repeat it again. It is conclusive that without grace, it's impossible to forgive and experience forgiveness. Don't even try it without knowing Jesus and experiencing the power of the cross in your own life. Because then, when we are walking away from Jesus, when we are not positioned in the cross, we forgive today, but we remember tomorrow. And true forgiveness is letting go. Forgiveness. Let us embrace grace, forgiving nature, and share it with those around us, as Jesus taught us in the Sermon of the Mountain. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will be inheriting the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to see God. I want to see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Translation, if you show up to a place and when you leave, the place is on fire, you are not a peacemaker. Easy. When you show up, you're supposed to de-escalate, defuse. Then you are a peacemaker and you will be called children of the living God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, said Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let us pray. Merciful God, we are grateful for the gift of grace that empowers us to forgive. Please help us forgive those who have hurt us and restore our broken relationships. May your grace continue to guide us on our journey toward forgiveness and reconciliation. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to forgive and forgiving be with you always.